This is Statehouse Blend Missouri, a series of conversations with Missouri lawmakers and leaders about the policies and politics that affect people's lives. I'm Brian Ellison. The life of a freshman legislator in the Missouri House isn't so glamorous, especially when you're in the minority party. Your office is cramped, the committee assignments may be less than ideal, and the bills you sponsor don't usually see the light of day. But new Democratic Representative Ashley Bland Manlove of Kansas City is making her mark. I spoke with her recently about her seat on the powerful House Budget Committee, her work on criminal justice reform, and a big announcement she made last month that could have an impact on state policy and her personal identity. My guest this week is Representative Ashley Bland Manlove. She's a Democrat from Kansas City, serving her first term in the Missouri House. Representative Manlove, welcome. Thank you. It's Pleasure really to be here. First time on State House Blend. This is actually my first interview period. So your first interview with the press. This is my first interview total. Well, I am very honored that you're you're spending it with us. Me too. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. You're about halfway through your first session as a legislator. What what's it been like? Well, the term is commonly used drinking out of a fire hose. Uh, the first couple weeks were uh, tumultuous with uh, planning and scheduling. The freshman tour was almost three weeks of nonstop Monday through Friday. Yeah, tell people about that freshman tour. I don't think everyone knows about that. So the freshman tour is an opportunity for incoming freshmen to just see the state and different um, enterprises and opportunities that are offered throughout the state. Uh, so this year, the tour started in central Missouri. So we started in Jeff City. We all met in Jeff City and then drove uh, through Columbia and kind of up through Moberly and finally made our way up to St. Joe, uh, then drove down the west side of the state um, down to Springfield and then back across and up to St. Louis, and then all the way down. It seems like a lot of time uh, in a bus with uh, <laughs> with lawmakers. But it's great because it gives us an opportunity to get to learn each other, um, kind of talk about some of our um, similarities and differences in the beginning, uh, just so you can kind of get a grasp on where the rest of your constituents are or where the rest of your counterparts are. And that's a bipartisan uh, trip, right? You're, Definitely. You're it's the entire freshman class. You're sitting next to on the bus. It's the entire freshman class. Um, did, you, did you feel like you learned anything? Um, I learned that Springfield has an, um, an aquarium that apparently rivals Atlanta, and Atlanta's my favorite aquarium, so <laughs> I was very excited to see that there was wow. um, a facility in Missouri that, uh, to that scale. I, uh, we, will, we will share this with our partner station in Springfield so they, they know that they're getting praise from a Kansas City legislator. Yeah, that was quite impressive. So now that you're, uh, you, the, the tour ends, you start the term, you're in Jeff City, mm-hmm. um, I know that the, the, the life of a first-year lawmaker is uh, it's very glamorous, isn't it? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. It's a lot of scurrying, mm-hmm. um, constantly scurrying. Um, I was, <clears throat> I've had the great opportunity of being able to be assigned to budget as a freshman um, to the budget subcommittee. And so the day starts at 8, 8.15, depending on which committees you have. Um, and uh, then we go into session and then you come out of session and go back into your committees and uh, budget has a tendency to go to at least 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, so I had a state house reporter tell me that uh, you can tell the budget committee members because they're the ones stumbling around bleary eyed. <laughs> Very much so. Coffee, please. I just want coffee. <laughs> and has, I mean, w- w- what are you doing? Are you, are you literally pouring through numbers all of that time? Why does the budget committee take so long? Literally 
line by line each department. So <clears throat> in the beginning of the process, uh, we are given a, a budget book. Uh, in the beginning of the process, we're given the governor's requirement or the governor's request, and um, and the new requests from each of the departments of the state. Um, so we're talking DOD, um, DOJ, um, Department of Education, Department of Secretary of Health and Human Services. All of the departments, each one has at least one book, somewhere about a thousand pages long, um, and it's there budget line by line to include new items and requests. Um, so the first couple of weeks are going through each one of those requests um, line by line with the departments. And so that tends to be a, a bit of a tedious <laughs> uh, time. Sounds like it. Do you, I mean, do you feel like uh, you as an individual lawmaker, especially a, a Democrat and a Republican controlled committee, especially in your first year, do you feel like you can actually have an impact on the state budget? Um. This year, I'm not taking that approach. Um, this year is to learn the process. Um, but there are three Democrats um, from, well, two from the Kansas City region. Well, I'm sorry, two from St. Louis and one from Kansas City um, that are particularly um, engaged in the deba- in the debate on the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Representative um, Deb Lavender, um, who's a Democrat, and Representative Kip Kendrick. Um, and Representative from, Ingrid Burnett. Yeah, so uh, Ingrid Burnett is from here in Kansas City, uh, Kip Kendrick from Columbia, and, and Deb Lavender from St. Louis. Right, okay. right. And uh, But those are the, the three strong Democrats um, that really hold down the entire budget process. They've both been doing that. They've all been doing that for a while. <clears throat> right, they're great people to learn from. So I'm, I'm really intrigued that this is your first uh, media interview since you took office. Uh, help us get to know you a little bit. What, sure. what do you do in real life when you're not legislating? <laughs> Um, in real life, well, currently I sleep at this point because it's <laughs> <laughs> exhausted. But um, in all actuality, my background is in accounting. Um, I've been doing bookkeeping and accounting work uh, for years. Um, started under, um, like, as the apprentice of CPA Brian Welch, Welch and Associates CPA firm here in Kansas City. Um, <clears throat> and from there, I took off uh, and joined the military for a while. Served in the Missouri Army National Guard for seven years as an intelligence analyst, held a top secret clearance. Um, and for those who don't know what intelligence analyst is, it's basically a research analyst. Um, You're taking the information that's coming in correct. Uh, and trying to make sense of it. Correct. The information that's coming in from the field, from the soldiers, from other departments, and combining those into actual reports to give to the commander. Um, so then I left the National Guard um, and basically continued to work in accounting um, for different private and um, government agencies and uh, decided to run for office this summer. And and, and why on earth would a, a, a successful person uh, want to do that? Why would you want to take, uh, take time away from a professional career for a job uh, in Jefferson City that doesn't pay very well? <laughs> why, why, would, why did you want to do this? My family has always instilled a strong sense of community service in me. You are not the first in your family to do this. I am not. I am not. I come from um, a beautiful legacy. My grandmother is the late Senator Mary Groves Bland, uh, who served in the House, actually in my district, um, Mm. for 20-plus years between the House and the Senate. And then when she went to the Senate, my uncle, Craig Bland, um, became the representative and then there was a couple in between there, 
Um, but the incumbent that I replaced, Gail McCann Beatty, is a very, very close friend of the family. Um, so just always had a very strong sense of community service, as well as my father's side is military. My aunt is a retired JAG from the Navy. Her husband is retired military. Um, we have Purple Hearts in my family. So there's always been a very strong sense of community service. So um, I was approached and I gladly accepted you mentioned Gail McCann Beatty. Uh, of course, she was the House Democratic leader when she left Correct. the House last she was year. House Minority Leader. Yes. Um, uh, the, you could argue the most powerful Democrat in the state during her tenure. Correct. Um, does that matter for you to to come in just starting out, sit in the same seat in the House, but uh, not exactly yet the most powerful Democrat? Well, um, with all three of those uh, great legislators. And there, there's a bit of a uh, of a feeling of shoes to fill, um, but I have to remember that I am my own person. I am worthy to be here. I'm smart enough to be here, and the people voted for me to be here. Uh, so I accept that, and I am trying to grow into that role uh, the best way possible. Well, speaking of being your own person, I, I, <laughs> I want to ask about something that that happened last month at a a gathering that's been happening at a restaurant near the Capitol uh, one night during the session for yeah. the last few years. It's, yeah. it's Capitol Pride. It's a place for LGBTQ people and their allies to celebrate or commiserate sometimes. Uh, and uh, at that gathering last month, you stood up on a chair and tell us what happened. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> I stood up on a chair and essentially came out of the closet again. Um, for years, I have acknowledged myself as part of the LGBTQIA family. And uh, because of certain people's um, prejudices, my cons- my campaign was concerned um, that if I presented myself as a LGBT candidate, um, that I would not be successful. Um, however, I felt that with the events that happened as of late um, and different votes that were happening in the legislature that uh, restricted um, sexual identity, sexual orientation, um, I just felt that it was time. Uh, people need to know where you stand and what side of the aisle you're on. Um, so I just drew the line in the sand and said, here's where I am, and I am proud of who I am. You said that in your campaign, there was a determination that, that some people would not would not approve it, would put your candidacy at risk. Correct. correct? Um, can you say more about that? No. Okay. But you've decided that now was the right time. Correct. And, and how has response been from your colleagues? Positive. Um, even the Speaker of the House, Mr. Elijah Hart, came and checked on me. He he did not offer his support, but he did want to make sure that nobody was, um, but there were no negative repercussions happening from that, which I can respect. Uh, so it's actually been a pretty, pretty positive experience. And there's been a lot of um, reaching out to me from other um, LGBTQIA um, elected officials and and I really appreciate their support. There are three other openly LGBTQ um, representatives right now. Right. Um, two Correct. Democrats, one Republican. Correct. Correct. Um, uh, are you 
Are you forming a caucus? Do you actually meet? <laughs> I think we have one. We need one more person to form a caucus. You have to have five. All right. But there was talk of it. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, you know, you mentioned that there was hesitation about sharing it because of the realities of, of the, the campaign and the world we all live in. Correct. Um, have you had reaction from constituents, from your, your, your voters uh, since, since you made this announcement? One or two positive remarks, um, but it, it really did not rock the boat as much, I think, as we had perceived that it would. Um, which is a testament to the good nature of the people of Kansas City. Um, I think that people in Kansas City are genuinely friendly and nice. And if you treat them with respect, they'll treat you with respect. And, um, and I hope that that continues. It's not irrelevant uh, from a policy standpoint either. One of the very first votes that the House took this session was uh, its decision not to offer protections from discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation Correct. to House employees. Correct. Um, and then uh, a, a, a vote that comes almost every session is on the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act, known as MONA. Correct. Um, it's been introduced for the 21st consecutive year. You're a co-sponsor. I am. Uh, it would prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation in the state. Uh, what do you think will happen with the bill this time around? Well, if there's any indication from the original vote, um, based on how we would treat House employees, I do not see that passing again this year. But the fact that the conversation continually happens, I think, is a great is a great where to, place place to start. Um, and until we are able to, uh, you know, switch a couple of more seats, that's going to be a difficult one to pass. I, I mean, I, it's interesting to hear you say you think it's a it's a good place to start because I have sometimes wondered, um, you know, is it is it good to have this vote? Um, this bill come up every session and and never pass. Is is that actually helpful to LGBTQIA people in the state? Um, helpful to LGBTQIA people? No, because it's a constant sense of discouragement. However, it is positive to have the conversation because new people are constantly entering the conversation and some of the people who might have been a little resistant thanks to term limits might be leaving that conversation. So it's always imperative to have the conversation just to uh, know where everybody stands and uh, to keep it a relevant topic. Make the case for why Mona would matter to anyone other than the LGBTQIA community in the state. I mean, is this is this a bigger issue than just um, than protecting a, a small percentage of Missourians uh, from discrimination? Well, yes, because we all know that um, when one group is treated in unjustly or unfairly, then that has a tendency to expand into other areas. And uh, I think that when we don't protect the least of us, when we don't protect the weak, um, that shows how weak we are. I think the strongest people um, take care of those around them, not conquer those around them. I'm, I'm interested in what you hear from your colleagues who oppose, um, who oppose the change in the House rules to protect from discrimination or who, uh, who would oppose Mona uh, were it to come to a vote, um, do you see do you see any merit to their position? Do you see their their point or their reason for their hesitation? No, 
No, I do not. Um, of course, the biggest counter response is some type of Bible verse um, who says that homosexuality is um, an abomination or, or whatever wrong verse they choose. Um, but the Bible also says to love your neighbor and treat people the way you want to be treated. And I don't think anybody wants to be discriminated against. Um, the other logic that I heard was that if you <clears throat> protect more people, then you're open to more lawsuits. But if you just treat people right and let them work, then there's probably not a reason for a lawsuit. I've heard one of your colleagues who uh, is sponsoring the bill, Representative Greg Razor, say that uh, he, he thinks uh, some of the decisions being made by companies like uh, Amazon about lo- whether to locate um, headquarters in in Missouri um, can be linked directly to, uh, uh, to 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 things like not passing Mona, to not protecting uh, against discrimination. I'm sure it's definitely a factor. I'm sure it's definitely a factor. Um, let me ask you about other legislative priorities. Uh, okay. And, and I, I asked that knowing that, again, as a first-year lawmaker, sometimes <laughs> it's hard to get your priorities to the top of the pile. But, but what would you like to see happen? Uh, if you if you could write one bill that you knew the legislature was going to take seriously and consider, what, what would it be? There is a large push right now from uh, the Democratic Party for... Uh, either automatic voter registration or same-day voter registration, early voter registration. So voter registration and completely embracing that um, and letting our constituents participate in democracy to the full extent of what that means is the, is a, is another big push that's happening right now. Um, I have a bill um, that covers... Uh, felonies, felons actually, are those released uh, from incarceration. Um, and that is bill number or House Bill 731. Um, and it creates an automatic registration for felons. Um, I just feel like if you are a ward of the state, the felons are already notified that they have that their voter regi- that their voting rights have been restored. However, I feel that if you're a ward of the state and then you receive information from the state after your release, you will have a tendency not to read that information. So I wanted to create and streamline the process for their voting rights to be restored and the notification or and the notification of the person that their voting rights have been restored. Do you think there's any chance that uh, that uh, something that will enhance the ability of felons to vote in the state will pass in this session of the legislature? <laughs> there's a lot of surprising criminal justice reform going on right now. Yeah, um, bipartisan. Bipartisan. So I'm hopeful. I will always stay hopeful, um, regardless of how bleak the how bleak it might look. Um, I do want to ask you about uh, something else. You you have been elected in your first term as vice chair of the Missouri Legislative Black Caucus. Yes, I have. Um, how, how are that group's priorities <clears throat> faring this session? I mean, what would you say those are? Well, the biggest priority of the Black Caucus right now is um, criminal justice reform. Um, we have been working directly with the Department of Health and Human Services and the new division uh, for the marijuana controls, and we have been working directly with them to make sure that the guidelines that they are creating the application from are equitable for and equitable and inclusive of everyone. Um, and there has been lots of talks and negotiations 
directly with leadership of the Republican Party um, to let them know that uh, we have voices, too. And we have good ideas. And when everybody can bring good ideas to the table, uh, we're a better community for it. The the Republican leadership um, is entirely white. Um, um, do you do you think that's a group that 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 you can work with? As or or maybe, maybe let me shift that question to are are they willing to to reach out and work together with uh, the full diversity of of the legislature? On certain issues, yes, and that's to be expected. Uh, when you're in the super minority, you have uh, an, a certain amount of power and, and you don't want to lose that. And I completely understand that from a political strategic perspective. But you also know that at any time that that could shift, that could swing. So you don't want to completely ice out the other side, because if the next election they swing enough, ho- they swing enough seats, then you might actually need them. Uh, you, the Democrat, the Republicans would actually need the the I'm sorry, the Republicans would actually need the Democrats to get their legislation passed. So yes, they are willing to play ball about certain things, and not other things, and not other things. <laughs> the caucus itself had a little bit of controversy early this year when um, Representative Cora Faith Walker resigned, um, talking about. There, there were conflicts with leadership. There was an allegation that she was the victim of sexual assault. Correct. Uh, is, is, are, are those internal dynamics inhibiting the caucus's work at all? No, not at all. Um, Representative uh, Walker did resign from the Black Caucus, and, and then that was done. There was no lagging drama or uh, conflict behind it. Um, and all of us were very clear on where she stood, and we respected her position, or we still respect her position. Um, regard, uh, we respect her position. And we should mention no charges were, were filed in right. that case. Um, you know, as we here you are standing at the beginning of, uh, of your legislative career, not knowing just how much of a career that will be at right. this point. But, right. but as you said, for your, your grandmother, it, it was uh, years in the House, years in the Senate. Do you want to have a a long, lengthy time of service in the Missouri General Assembly? I want to serve my community in whatever way they need me. So if that is to include uh, a long-term political career, then I am very willing and capable of handling that. Um, But if that means that I am needed in another facet, I will gladly do that as well. Uh, what's what's next for you as this uh, as this term rolls on? Uh, you'll you'll keep putting in your hours on the budget committee. Uh, right. Is that is that an area that you want to really deepen your service, or are there other areas of legislative life you hope to get into? I think budget is a great place for me, um, especially with my background being research and accounting. There's there's not a better fit. Um, so I'm I'm grateful to be there and um, plan on digging my heels in. Representative Ashley Bland-Manlove, Democrat of Kansas City, in her first term in the House, already uh, making some news. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Statehouse Bland, Missouri is a production of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.